It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hockey, yeah. yeah. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome in to Judd's Hockey Show. And if you uh, just saw the shot of the two guys on screen right now, you're saying, well, that's Judd, but where's Declan Goff? Well, for the second time in two days, we introduced some fresh blood into the uh, JHS stable. Yesterday, we had uh, Jesse Pierce from Bar Down Beauties. And before I die, she's going to join us frequently on Wednesdays. And uh, AJ Fredrickson, who has been a, a longtime producer for us at Score North, is uh, going to be my new co-host, at least on Thursday nights. Not because Declan has been removed, but because Declan uh, Declan uh, was trying to get a little bit more of a life. And uh, because I'm crazy and like to do this show as much as possible. Um, AJ, who is a, a devoted hockey fan, has done play-by-play and knows his puck, joins us. And unfortunately, you do so, sir. Not after a great game, but after a rather uh, meek, in many ways, 5-2 loss to the Carolina hurricanes but welcome aboard yeah thank you i do want to maybe partly apologize because i saw the past couple of days after declan on tuesday night tweeted out the uh the hint of oh they're adding some contributors and yesterday you announced jesse and then i see a couple comments in the section like wow okay if she's the first one that they unveil i wonder who the next one is are they gonna get the alex boone of hockey are they gonna uh, it's me (laughs) it's me everybody is it gonna be so basically what you're (laughs) what you thought is it it would be like koivu like Koivu or Parisi or Suter, we're going to join the show for post-game analysis. But no, you are uh, you are um, going to be a fine addition to the uh, JHS stable here. Um, all right, before we get to the uh, game itself, 5-2 loss, uh, and there are some things to, to discuss, I want to start off with what was almost certainly the biggest news of the day when it comes to the Wild. And that came out this morning after the morning skate in Raleigh uh, when Dean Everson said that Matthew Dumba, was going to be a healthy scratch that they were very particularly displeased with how he played in Washington in a win on Tuesday. Um, I, I read Russo's piece on it and he had Dumba quoted, not surprisingly, it sounds like Dumba was taken by surprise. Uh, you know, I don't, I think he was blindsided in part because there have been times before where I thought he'd be scratched and he never really is. He's seen as a locker room guy, good in the room. He's, considered one of the uh, leaders on this team. And so I think he was taken aback that Alex Goligoski played, got a rare appearance, AJ, and that Dumba uh, was in the press box eating popcorn and hot dogs. What was your reaction to what, what for this team is a pretty bold move? Like when, when you scratch Kalen, you know, early in the season for a game, I didn't love that, but he's a young player. Or when like Marco Rossi does not play, same thing, right? But this is a stable, a stable veteran guy 
um, who this team has really gone to great lengths not to do this to before. What was your first thought when you saw that he was a healthy, not injured scratch? My first thought is, where is he getting traded? Because, you know, for a guy that has been, it seems, year after year after year now, he has been associated with whether you love him or hate him, he's a guy that's linked always in these kind of, is he going to get moved for the trade deadline? Is is he worth that $6 million cap it that he's currently at? And now in the final year of his contract, he going coming into the season at least, it was a, wow, okay, depending on how they go after losing Fiala, they could be slightly worse in a certain aspect than what they were last year. And if they aren't in a position where they look like they're going to make a run with maybe how bold Billy G was last year with believing in the squad, we could see the opposite of that where it's all right, we're going to pull the plug on the Matt Dumba experience and ship him off to whether it's an Edmonton or anybody else who's willing to pay the price, whatever that may be. Um, so that was my first thought. So immediately I'm going and I'm searching like, all right, what's uh, what's Darren Drager got to say? What's, What's uh, Bob McKenzie got to say? Do we have any scoops? And then, you know, the athletics, Michael Russo is out there saying, you know, he was caught off guard and um, it was more of a organizational decision is what uh, the, yeah. the key phrase was there. And yeah, the Tuesday was not uh, his best performance. And I myself, the past couple of years have been a very avid Matthew Dumba defender. Um, I like what he brings on the offensive side of things. And I love the physicality and, Similar to what the Ryan Reeves trade was, he's an energy guy. He's a glue guy. So as yep. much as you don't like maybe his defensive aspects at times, he yep. holds the team together and he's a spark plug um, that but maybe before Ryan Reeves or some of these other guys that he's been with this group for uh, since he got drafted in 2012. He's been a part of the organization. Um, he is a guy that knows Minnesota wild hockey and I think has fully bought into what Bill Guerin's plan is here with the franchise. So to have that healthy scratch and hearing that he was caught off guard and um, some of the comments that I saw, I was a little shocked. Um, Alex Goligoski gets some action here. I think he's was scratched a healthy scratch eight of the last nine or 10 games. Oh yeah. So, he doesn't play anymore. Basically. Yeah. It, he's, he's a guy that last year, it seemed like at one point just kind of forgot how to play defense. They like forgot how to play hockey at times. And so right. Angel uh, Dudia. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I don't think you forgot. I think his body can't keep up with, with what his mind's yeah. trying to tell him to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, my, my initial yeah. reaction was uh, that of shock. And like I said, I thought, okay, he's getting traded. But um, as the day progressed on, you know, it's, it's something that is a wake up call for a lot of wild fans. Once again, whether you like him or hate him, this is one of those, are we counting the days now or what is the message moving forward? So I think there was uh, um, a few messages attempting to, to be sent. And you're right. Like, and Bill Garrett, I mean, you talk about you being a staunch Dumba defender the past two years. Nobody's been a bigger Dumba defender than Bill Garrett. I mean, we've, you know, when it was out there a year ago that he might be dealt, uh, Bill joined Dex and I on the show. And Billy's about as upfront as you can get. And, you know, you could tell he was sick of talking about trading a guy that at that point in time he had no intention of trading because all of the stuff that, that you said about the glue guy he's a guy that's liked are important and bill Guerin, um of of all the teams in this town that talk about culture i think it's probably the most important to the wild and bill Guerin because he knows what a winning stanley cup locker room looks like that's not just a bunch of good players that's that's a cohesive group so for dean Everson to scratch dumba 
means that he and Bill must have been ticked off beyond belief. I don't know if it went past the Washington game or what. Now, it's been my personal contention that, that Dumba has not had a great year. Um, I honestly think the injuries in some ways have caught up to him. I don't think he ever came back from, what was it, a torn peck against when, when he fought um, Kachuk in the Calgary, that game where where he was forced to fight and he yeah. suffered, you know, suffered a bad injury. And then he's had injuries here and there. But what I think is, I think you've got a good point. And I don't think this means the move today that Dumba's being traded immediately. But I do think that they probably saw it as a win-win. The first one is it's a wake-up call. So you would hope that he would say, oh, my God, I can be scratched. You know, because I'm sure some guys think that they just can't be. Um, so one, if nothing else, it's a potential wake-up call. Number two, I think it's a wake-up call to hopefully, in their mind, get him going to increase his potential trade value as the March 3rd deadline nears. Because, I mean, I think there is no there is no question the Wild would like to get something for him because, mm-hmm. obviously, if he gets to the summer, July 1st or so, he just walks. So you get no compensation. Um, I think what the Wild would like to do here is see him come back and basically be so good, so engaged, so yes. intense that the trade value by March 3rd increases because I think that there's been some concern that the teams that might want him probably aren't aren't willing to pay the price that Billy wants because his play has not been great. So, yeah. like, I think that this is a multi-layered, very interesting, calculated. The Wild's very calculated. They don't <laughs> do things. No, but, I mean, they don't do... They don't do things for the most part just because they're sort of mad. They do it because they're mad, but they do it because they also, in some ways, want to get something across. And I wonder, AJ, if this is also trying to get across to the rest of the league that, hey, watch this guy now. Because if he takes off, now you can go back to the Oilers or the Senators Mm -hmm. and say, hey, he's playing really well now. How about that higher draft choice? How about that player? Um, so I think this is all, I think this is greasing the skids for something that we're not going to see, for instance, in two days or in a couple of weeks, but we might see in March. Yeah. And th- that's a conversation I've had with numerous people for the past year or so. It seems like where, whether you have his fat head up on your wall and you love him and you have a shrine to Matt Dumba in your back closet, or you, you know, every time you see him, you want to throw up. You want him out there on the ice because you root for the team and you want him performing well because the better he is, the higher that trade value rises and the more return he's going to get when the, I think, inevitable trade comes to fruition. Because like you said, they're not, they don't want to let him walk. They want to set up some type of a deal, whether it's a bag of pucks so Kirill Kaprizov can work on that beautiful shot he has even a little bit more, you know. They need to get something back if they know we are not extending him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want him out there on the uh, out there on the ice. You want him playing well, showing that physical aspect he brings, that cannon of a shot that he's been uh, coined to have for you know almost a decade now. I think that one's gone, there. Age. I think the cannon <laughs> of the shot's gone. I think it went with with his arm. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. That shot. I used to love that shot. He doesn't even shoot much now. And half the time when he does, he can't hit the net now. No, I mean, there, there's definitely some problems here. But I think if you get him playing the best he possibly can, because I think at this point, my guess, my guess is this. There's no question he, he's been shopped. Yeah. 
I think Garen's finding he can't get close to what he wants. And so this is a ploy to try and get more from Dumba so that they can trade him. And, you know, worst case, he stays. And let's say he's inspired now and his plan proves. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. So again, I think it's a very calculated move, but it's very intriguing because this is not the type of move that these guys make much. You don't see, like the day they scratch Parisi after that stunt he pulled and trying to get Felino the hat trick <laughs> against the Golden Knights. You know, I was staying on the ice and it's like, dude, your shift was so long and you're so old. That's crazy. But I mean, that was Dean, Dean and Bill were pissed about that. So like these moves only come, it's not like, it's not like Dean is, uh, is like torts, right? Where he's just like, yeah. okay, Kevin Hayes, you might lead us in scoring, but I'm scratching you. That's not how Dean operates. Um, so I was just going through mentally what the strategy m- might be. And I think, I think it might be to try and get as much as you possibly can to trade him. I, I also want to get to t- tonight's game. But before I do, AJ, I want to tell you about the official sports bar of Sports Dad. That is the Park Tavern in St. Louis Park, Louisiana Avenue South. You've probably been there. Been, been, uh, been in our community here in SLP. Uh, for more than 42 years, open 365 days a year. A great place to grab a pint, for instance, of Surly. Uh, two bars, you've got bowling, and the greatest place for your group gathering. So if you've got a fantasy league draft, if you've got your wife's birthday or your kid's birthday, and you're like, I have to plan a party, hey, dad's out there. Take control. Guess what? Because my friends at Park Tavern and Cheryl are going to make your life as e- easy as possible. In other words, you take the bow. You don't do much work. How good does that sound? 952-929-6810. 952-929-6810. Parktavern.net. Parktavern.net to book your uh, group. And I'm not talking a group of 10. I'm not talking a group of 15. I'm talking groups of 40 and 50. They can handle it all. All right. Um, despite what the uh, Bally Sports broadcast said tonight, which led me to believe that the Wilds' loss was all bad luck, the officials screwed them, and that this team did nothing wrong, that 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 Dean's going to be happy. What the, and then he's not going to be happy with this. And by the way, the Washington game was bad, too. The process was wrong. Um, I want to get to this. And I know it's going to happen, but I think it's so surprising when it does. It's worth talking about. The last two games, Zuccarello, Kaprizov, and Sam Steele at 5-on-5, five five, M-I-A. They had, they had about, I think, eight shots on goal against the Caps, but that includes power play. Kaprizov had a goal from Zuccarello, but that was a power play. But, you know, the last two games, start of a tough trip, age. I think that the, um, the, the bottom two lines, especially against the Capitals, were great. I thought the Eck line, five on five tonight, was pretty damn good. Uh, the steel line, though, has disappeared. Which, again, I get it, it might take place, but it's worth talking about because if that line's not going, especially in a tough road games like this, um, it's going to cause some problems. Yeah, and I would love to hear your thoughts on maybe the factors that are, whether it's a, maybe a misuse of chemistry or if it's um, good opposing deep pairings matching up with them and just trying to lock them down in particular. But, but yeah, no, it's, it has been a noticeable absence the past two nights. Um, and it's hard to say that it is, you know, just they're off because I feel like the chemistry that we've seen from Zuccarello and Caprizov are enough to carry that line 
no matter who's in the middle, as we've seen, you know, Sam Steele and uh, whether it's Freddie Goudreau or past, we've had Victor Rask there even, and it's thrived. So it's not like those two are maybe the problem. I'm not putting it, it on Sam Steele. Um, I think it's probably just now that they have not that uh, Kevin Fiala punch, and I'm not saying Matt Boldy is not good and not able to carry a second line offensively. Um, a guy that just signed a $49 million deal. He is accelerating and evolving his game every night. It seems like, but he's been on a little bit of a slump. It was his first goal tonight. I want to say in 11 games. So um, coming into that, and that's breaking that slump tonight. So the hurricanes, they probably say, all right, one, a one B isn't really necessarily an option here. We just need to focus on number one line. So they're getting their top defensive pairings out there, shutting down. They're playing close, like body on body. They're bumping around, um, even not right uh, center ice faceoffs. Like the wingers matching up against Kaprizov, they are riding him hard, uh, like even before the puck gets dropped. So they are trying to announce their presence and rattle him in any way, whether he's on or off the puck. Yeah, and. That's the thing that that is going to, to take place in the playoffs too. Now Kaprizov was actually uh, one of the bright spots against the Blues in the first round playoff loss. What six games last spring? But yeah, it's interesting too. There, so there's a lot of, of different things here. First of all, Zuccarello and Kaprizov, you're right, have a chemistry where where Matt is basically the center. So like Steele is Steele is there to not screw it up. But like he's not there as a true one center. He is there because he can do he can do things. He can definitely score some goals. But I mean, it's the Mats and Kirill show. Um, it feels like the last two games, at least five on five, they have both not been great. Um, the other thing that Steele and might have been on the five and a power play tonight too. Uh, the other thing that Steele does at times, and it's what absolutely drives me up the wall, and I would occasionally bench him. Uh, he thinks that he's skilled. He made a pass tonight again, and he does this every once in a while, a blind backhanded pass in the offensive zone that just got picked off. And it's like, okay, Kirill does that. You're like, hey, Kirill, you want to be careful next time? But he's Kirill, right? Like, yes. he's phenomenal. Uh, Sam Steele is there to not screw up. And a pass like that, and I know it's a, it, at that point, I think it's a 5-2 game. So it didn't derail things. But that's the exact type of thing you just simply can't afford. and. I just think it's interesting when that when when those two in particular go through a slump because who steps up five on five? Um, the Eckline I think has played well. I I yes. love I actually he's not super super skilled. I actually did love Greenway's game tonight. Greenway again another guy who's a roller coaster. I mean sometimes he'll disappear completely, but Greenway I thought played a good game. He's not super skilled, so he can't always finish what he starts. But at least if he's going hard. Um, it creates some it creates some pressure. Uh, the other thing, too, is despite what the broadcast said tonight about you know the referees, um, Lapana brought up a, a really interesting fact early in the game after a penalty on the Wild, which is I believe they are the second most penalized team to Montreal. And you know what? You can feel at times like calls are bad. That goes both ways. But the reality is this. That's a very large sample size stat that LaPanta gave. And that large of sample size, you can't afford that. Be smarter. 
you got to be smarter. And I know it didn't cost um, it didn't cost the Wild a power play, but you know when they when the referees make a questionable call and Ryan Hartman decides to say what he said, and now he's sitting in the box for ten minutes at the start of a Carolina power play, and he's a penalty killer. Mm-hmm. You got to be smarter than this. Like if you're going to win a, if you are going to have a chance, knock on wood, because who knows, <laughs> but to win in the playoffs. You got to be smarter. The last thing I will say about this, and I'm curious if you agree at all. I'm becoming more and more convinced, partially because I I can watch it from the press box too, that Dean's harping on officials is not helping the wild at all. Dean spends a lot of time with the, how can you call that? Woe is me. I'm pissed off. Um, I used to love that as a kid, but with how people are today and officials, I don't know that, that that helps this team. Now, if you're really mad about something, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But every call, you get the same head going back. How could they call that? And I'm just telling you, it's a very small thing. But you know hockey refs. They can be vindictive human beings. And I don't think that's helping things with every call, basically feeling like it's too big a deal. To an extent, I I agree. It's like they're people too, as much as you want them to call it by the book and, you know, they have the perfect eye vision and they're totally unbiased. If you have a guy that looks like Dean Evison giving you a death glare for 90% of the game, just because, okay, you call the tripping or, you know, you call the hook against his squad in the first four minutes. But I agree with this. Yes. But yeah, maybe if he lays off him a little bit, the, the, and I'm not saying it would, but the comment by Hartman maybe goes like, uh, all right, the, that's it. If you say any, uh, anything else, right. then you're going. Instead of the quick, all right, get in the box, that's enough. It's, and I agree with you there too. Like I used to be a, God, I, I love my coach seeing uh, that passion. And he, he's on the official, he, he's a ride or die for the team. He's got his guys back and he loves, he bleeds Minnesota wild colors. God, he, you got to just back off a little bit here. You're a coach, not an instigator. You know, that's what you traded for Ryan Reeves. That you, that's why you have Marcus Foligno to do. That's why you have captains to get out there and maybe be that intermediary of having a calm conversation. If you need clarification, and I understand the occasional you have to talk to them and you have a right to be upset. Oh, but, absolutely. Yes. But it, like you said, it seems like um, it, it's like uh, you could go to any youth hockey rink around the state. And there's always that one kid on every single team that they always seem to find the box a little more frequently, but every time they do, it's never their fault. Yep. It's, ah, what do you, why are they always out for me? Why am I going to, I only hit the guy across the face with my new $300 stick. Why am I going to the box? Right. Dean, some of these penalties are warranted, but also it comes down to the wild are a very undisciplined hockey team. And I feel like I'm a broken record every time I watch one of their games, because I have to say something about it. They had until the final 30 seconds, the same or more amount of penalties taken than shots on goal in tonight's game. That, that the entire first period, that's not a great recipe for uh, success. Whether some of those were warranted penalties or not, right. you're still starting the game off with four penalty minutes before you even record a shot on goal that you you're essentially tying one of your hands behind your back and saying, let's play a game of hockey. You're not allowing yourself to play the full 60 minutes. You're giving the you're giving the Carolina Hurricanes a chance to start essentially a goal up because in the NHL, after enough 
power plays. And granted, they killed they killed those off. I was very impressed with how much it didn't come back to bite them until later in the game, the penalties. But um, at a certain point, the numbers and statistics don't lie. They're going to score. And they eventually did. You know, two power play goals they give up. And then they even on, on, on the power play, they give up, up a shorthanded goal. Special yes. teams tonight were just a disaster. Yes. Yeah, that's short. So they, they almost gave up. That was a really weird sequence. They almost gave up a shorty. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Erickson Eck gets, gets free. He has essentially a breakaway. Anderson, Freddie Anderson was magnificent, too. Like, he was he was as good or, or better tonight than Gustafson was against the Caps. And by the way, Gustafson won that game. Um, and then Carolina came back down, I think, another odd man rush uh, for the Teravinen goal. That's a very bizarre sequence on a penalty kill. Uh, but yeah, yeah, special teams was not good. I also want to get to um, the uh, the uh, Shvetsnikov hit on Duhame. I think he's got to be suspended for that. That was... Now, he didn't get a match. He got five and a game. He didn't get a match. Uh, but I mean, if we're talking about what the Department of Player Safety should look at, uh, riding the guy head first into the boards to me i mean god forbid that's a recipe for paralysis uh if i'm the league i give him a game yeah no that's uh i hate like, it gro- growing up the like the camps and whatnot you'd go to when you first started learning checking mm-hmm. one of the first things i remember being established was that like three feet off the boards is considered that's the danger zone and it's not like Duhame went in and did the old, I'm looking to get a penalty or I'm looking to get a call, mm-hmm. turn his back last second. He saw the numbers. And if, you know, if it's youth hockey, that stop sign would have been right there. And maybe they need, maybe he needs that. But how about he, that? He wrote him right into there. And he was already like half kind of bent over trying to maintain his balance, which is even more dangerous because one weird angle and all of a sudden crunch, who knows? what what happens and what the result is so i was glad that duhame was able to like get up and he seemed to be fine um maybe there's some soreness that'll be that's in the days but i'm a little um, bit concerned about a concussion just because those things can come on i mean that was mm-hmm. a he went right into the boards i hate it i i just there's no that's a one where there's just no place for that that's irresponsible that's just an irresponsible play yeah. uh last thing what did you think of the um i think it was was it at three to one uh, the Carolina goal that Dean challenged for in- interference, I think Natchez on, on Flurry, um, which they took a long look at and then said it was not uh, goalie interference. They called obviously the delay of game uh, on the Wild. Were you surprised that they didn't get that call and that goal was called back? I was surprised, and that partly could be because I'm watching the Bally broadcast and like the entire time reviewing, I was just hearing. Well, that's this. This cannot be a goal. This absolutely can't be a goal. Look at the contact there. And so it it probably dug into my head a little bit. But after watching it, seventy thirty. Like I I think also just because I have a rooting interest for the Wild, I want I want well, that to be goaltender. You dragged the stick. Yeah, I, and, and, I, and the contact was there. I I can see yeah. maybe why the refs let it go because they call it one way. They need conclusive evidence, and maybe they just couldn't find that because that's such a at times like a. There's a little bit of wiggle room there for what actually is conclusive, but um, there's contact there. How much does it, did it even, I would like to think that maybe the other way around, 
the wild have that i'm thinking okay this there's no way this goal stands so it probably shouldn't stand there but uh contact with the goalie i would say like seven or eight out of ten times if it's different officiating crews that probably gets called back yeah here's my problem this league has no idea what that call is no not at all do you remember it was it two years ago or was it last season it might have been two years ago and i think darcy camper I, I, I think it was two years ago i think darcy camper's in goal in arizona for the coyotes and marcus folino i think was called for in interference when it was just like this it was very borderline and then like a couple weeks after that i want to say a, an opponent did the same thing at the x to the wild and that was called a goal um i don't understand how you can't have a uniform just at least closer because you're not you're not going to get this a thousand percent right but how do you not have a uniform idea of what you're looking for like if the guy goes through like on that replay which if you're the officials and the uh the replay center in toronto you can look at it a ton if the guy hits flurry's stick and drags his stick which he sort of did and then flurry's turned to me that's the definition of what you're trying to get out of the game because and here's why i say that and i this goes both ways so if this call had been reversed and the wild um had gotten a goal i'd say the same exact thing and here's what drives me nuts when i was a kid back in the day the defenseman and hell, the goaltenders could move guys from out front. So if I set up a screen, one, the goaltender would slash my legs. Two, a, a defenseman would would co come up, and until the last couple of years when this is being cracked down on, they just cross-check you. So they take the and, – and it was hard to maintain your position. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all gone now. You can't cross-check the guy. That's going to get called, and you can't slash a guy. And so, you know, age, you go look at these games. These guys are standing right in front of goaltenders, like this close. And they're basically like this. And the goaltenders, a lot of times, are just trying to see around them. And a defenseman might, might move a guy from the side, but you can't move him. Like, he's going to get back there. So if that's the case, in my opinion, I can't have any contact then. Like, if I'm the league, the thing is, if you bump the goaltender, you forfeit the goal. Because, like, what else? Unless you want to tell me that defensemen can now come back and move heaven and earth and and, and clobber a guy, which, by the way, I would be fine with. Mm -hmm. um, but unless I can clobber the guy standing in front, if you're going to be this far from me, if you touch me, you brush my equipment, I think you forfeit the goal because what the hell else is the defensive team and the goaltender in particular supposed to do? So now he's out of position. He's been hit. He's down. And there's no, there's basically no pushback. Yeah, so no, that's I. That's what drives me crazy about this. And I remember, you know, uh, Tim Tom, like you said back in your, you know, the, the very old days. Like I, I uh, even remember like Tim Thomas, Mika Kippersoft, Ryan Miller. They're throwing haymakers at the back you of guys' heads, Billy like Smith, right in the spine. Man. Just a coho, bang! Exactly. Just they're well, clearing they the way. They're parting the Red Sea in front of the crease, yeah. like they had the ability to do. And oh god, I mean, it'd be nice to see a little bit of that obviously not full-on assault at times but um i would love to see a little bit more hey you, you gotta you have the right away to usher somebody a little bit out from right on your grill exactly right yeah if i'm a goaltender i gotta i'd, I'd be i'd be uh, t taking the stick and at least whacking <laughs> some legs yeah all right so uh that that's it great job aj welcome to the show i think we're gonna do this for most thursday night games hey, and I'm, uh, uh, happy to be here thanks for having me 
great analysis, great stuff. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to all of the score North stuff. We'll be back uh, tomorrow morning with Mackie and Judd, Purple Daily. Plenty more to react to with the news tonight that Ed Donatel has been dismissed as Vikings defensive coordinator. For AJ, I'm Judd. We'll see you later.